we knew what it was like not to own this asset. We knew what it was like um, to um, lease it from others. And it became clear to us that this was something that um, we weren't going to bleed through the nose on. We were actually going to own it. Hello there. You are listening to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and this is Lisa Gonzalez. Today, Chris visits with Jory Wolf, Chief Information Officer for the City of Santa Monica. We just released a report on CityNet, Santa Monica's awesome fiber network. The network now serves businesses of all sizes with dark and lit fiber, as well as government facilities, schools and libraries, and it even facilitates a free Wi-Fi network for the public. Many communities that deploy their own fiber networks own municipal electric utilities. This is a distinct advantage. That's not the case in Santa Monica. Santa Monica's PATH, an incremental build that required no debt, provides a possible option for other communities similarly situated. Here are Jory and Chris. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, today speaking with Jory Wolf, CIO for the City of Santa Monica. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christopher. It's wonderful to have you on. Uh, We've been talking for the past year or so as I um, gathered research for the report we've just released on uh, Santa Monica CityNet, a network run out of your information systems department. Uh, So congratulations on uh, such a wonderful network, and I'm glad we're able to bring some attention to it. Thank you, and uh, thanks for showing the interest in our story. Absolutely. Uh, That's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, I'd like to start by just giving people a sense of what Santa Monica is like uh, for the many folks, including myself, actually, who have not actually been there yet. Uh, Santa Monica is a beachside town. We um, are here on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, surrounded by the city of Los Angeles. We have a population of about 95,000 people at night, um, and in the daytime we can get up to about a quarter of a million. Our community, which is um, quite dense in population, we have about 23 parks though, so besides our density we do have a lot of open spaces. Uh, We also have a number of business improvement districts and the city is really in the process of redesigning itself through a new land use and circulation element. And one of the things that's really interesting for a city that has an impressive city-owned network is that you do not have a municipal electric department. Uh, Why don't you tell us where your network started? Interestingly, it started on the cable side. The city had uh, been an Adelphia cable uh, customer for about uh, 10 years, and uh, we were without a franchise. We had danced around the table with Adelphia for a number of years about putting a franchise agreement together and really couldn't come to terms until the 1996 telecommunications act kind of came and well kind of bit us in, in the in back um, should I say in the more of the rear right <laughs> where one <laughs> tends to get bitten yes and um, reminded us that there was an opportunity here not only to negotiate a cable franchise but to look out for the city's best interest and develop a broadband communication system through the beginning Uh, of negotiations uh, with Adelphia through an INET. Um, We thought that it would be good to be able to link the school district, the college, and the city facilities, a total of about 46 at the time, to a common network where we could all share on internet bandwidth and also share some communications platforms for reducing the cost of overall broadband. So rather than just having them provide this service for free, uh, and, and many cities have found sort of at whatever level the cable company decides to provide it, you decided to take it into your own hands and to have them 
put the fiber in the ground and you'd be in charge of making sure that it was you had the right capacity and reliability and all that sort of thing. You bet. <clears throat> we had been relying on a Verizon shoestring network of frame relay circuits at the time. And we knew what it was like not to own this asset. We knew what it was like um, to um, lease it from others and to pay through the other end of your body up here on your head. Um, and it became clear to us that this was something that um, we weren't going to bleed through the nose on. We were actually going to own it. And we negotiated an agreement with Adelphia that said they'd build it for us for $530,000 out of capital improvement money in the general fund at the day we would own and operate it and should they stop doing business in Santa Monica, we could buy it back from them for a dollar. Adelphia ended up declaring bankruptcy and it's turned into Time Warner Cable. So the, the network is still there and that part of the network you still use. That's correct. Uh, we still link the city school district and the college. The college and school district depend on it heavily, uh, although now the college is moving off of it and it's moving on to uh, CityNet which is the, city net, uh, the city's equivalent of the uh, broadband service network from Time Warner. There was a big sort of grassroots interesting story in 1998 that led to a plan and a, and a widespread public agreement in terms of the value of having this kind of network. And that story is told entirely in the case study that, that we did. But we're going to turn now to um, just the last piece of that Adelphia franchise, which is um, what kind of cost savings did that generate for you because you were operating your own network versus leasing circuits? In the first year, we were able to save close to half a million dollars by um, operating our own network. It was fortunate that um, we were able to not only save significant amounts of dollars, but we were able to go from a 128K frame relay network to a 2 gig backbone. Imagine what that was like for best practice ITIL strategies, for data centers, for uh, storage area networks, for backup and redundancy. Um, and the kinds of uh, high bandwidth applications that we'd be able to roll out in the future um, really became mind-boggling for us, and we thought it was the best thing we ever did. Yeah, I'll bet. That's a tremendous amount of savings that, that you identified, and, and one of the things we talk about in the report is how farsighted it was for city council to keep um, re-budgeting that money into your account uh, so that those savings continued to accrue and you could um, add on over time. And Can you just briefly tell us what you did over the years um, after you built the first network? Well, fortunately, it all came from a telecommunications master plan that was adopted by council in 2000 which was a result of a study with other cities in the area. We set out to reach the goal, all the goals of the telecommunications master plan, and we started with universal access in our city libraries, and so we built eventually 300 public workstations in our five branches, and actually four branches at, at that time, five branches now. And we decided that we needed to go beyond that, so we started putting uh, workstations that connect, were connected to the Internet, in, in uh, public facilities, uh, trying to get more and more of the public onto the internet to break down those barriers of universal access, including parks and, and other neighborhood facilities. We uh, um, pretty much accomplished all of the, the first uh, two goals, and that was to connect the community uh, college, the school district, and the city, the second one for universal access. And the third um, was in, in the event that there was an opportunity to look at extending the broadband 
services to the community in some other way, i.e. through um, uh, for the businesses, for economic development purposes, or for uh, community stakeholder institutions for them to also benefit from the, the broadband and how that would then be returned to the community in improved services. Um, we then looked at it and it was interestingly it was in uh, 2005 that we were approached by a very large internet search company. They had just come to town and they were interested in working with cities that had assets. They had already had experience with that in Palo Alto. Uh, and uh, at the same time, we were scratching our heads and saying, well, who wants this stuff and who can we expand it to? So we we're thinking the hospitals, the hotels. And this large company came to us and we used them as a proof of concept. We went to city council and we got their approval for us to lease dark fiber at the time. And uh, it was a go. Uh, everyone thought that this could be a good thing. Um, we completed it, the construction, in a very short period of time and uh, treated it like a public works project. Uh, and then it became a city public work asset at the end of the day. The tech company actually reimbursed the city for all the construction costs. So a really good public-private partnership model um, that won a lot of uh, local acclaim and we decided to start marketing our wares and that's where CityNet came in. We then uh, got it branded and we uh, through called through the uh, SM CityNet brand and uh, actually branded our city Wi-Fi at the same time and we said okay um, the door is open and we're looking for uh, companies and other s stakeholder institutions to join. I think it's worth emphasizing that they came to you. This is something that we often see. Um, you know, you had the farsightedness to put extra fiber in the ground, knowing that it would be useful in the future and that it would be incredibly costly to have to add new conduit in fiber if you ever needed it. So you had extra fiber available, um, but we need to emphasize that that was not a part of the franchise fiber. All the, the franchise fiber was dedicated only for public use. And so that's one of those situations where you get a better deal on the INET, but you can only use that for public traffic. So this was the fiber that you had put in yourself. It was. And interestingly, um, it just so happened they were uh, just a, about one block off of our loop, our main loop that we had started building ourselves. Through some transit uh, grant funds, we had built one side of the loop uh, in our main um, commercial corridor within the city, pretty much central to Santa Monica. And through a joint trench agreement with Pac Bell in the day, we were looking for um, a way to continue to expand the loop and complete it entirely. And through that joint trench agreement, we were able to do that. So on top of the 530000 that we spent for the INET, um, we, invest, we continued to invest through, uh, with, a, with matching funds for the transportation grant money and through the joint trench agreement with Pac Bell to build a second loop entirely independent of uh, what became the Time Warner network, uh, INET, and that was built by Adelphia, and then continued to, to build it as more grant funds were available and more general fund savings became available uh, by uh, letting go of our lease circuits from Verizon. Over time, you found more businesses, some more businesses were interested in the dark fiber, but ultimately, a few years later, you came to the conclusion after talking with small businesses that there was a number of businesses for whom dark fiber wasn't appropriate. What did you do at that point? It became, became clear to us that um, 
a business would have to be pretty tech savvy already. They'd have to have staff here locally in which to use dark fiber. They'd have to, of course, put their own electronics on either end and they'd have to configure it. And, and that was something that they would end up having to maintain. We realized that there are lots of companies in Santa Monica, as there are in every city, they really don't have that workforce, that tech workforce here locally. They do in their corporate headquarters or they may, may have it on a regional level. But if cities really want to expand um, broadband services to their community at large and to every sector, not just the high-tech tech, uh, they need to uh, go to lit services. Um, that's been extremely valuable because service, because businesses now can acquire our services, the, you know, the broadband services, but they don't have to worry about configuring their networks and about the optical gear and about um, managing uh, all of the technology, the, the switch technology to make it all work. We now provide 24-7 network operating services that monitors the network and, and manage this, the equipment. We also have a customer portal so they can see packet losses, uh, any ping losses. They can also uh, detect you know, how long they, their uptime has been and submit uh, any trouble tickets or learn of any warnings uh, or any outages. Uh, and then we also have remote hand services available for them. So in the, in the event that they don't even have people in their office, we can gain access through the property management company or the property owner, and we will reboot their equipment for them. So basically, you have a variety of ways that you're reaching out to make sure local businesses are connected. You do dark fiber. Um, you work with an ISP to use these uh, lit services um, by bundling small companies together. Um, and then yet another way is that you make dark fiber, fiber available to existing competitors, um, you know, other companies that might even be seeking uh, the business of some of the businesses you'd like to have. And so that's, it's, a, it, it's a demonstration, I think, of there's, there's never one, any one solution to a lot of these problems. We are agnostic. Um, we will provide fiber optics to um, our quote-unquote competitors who we don't see as competitors. We got into this business by uh, wanting to prime the pump. We, we didn't get in this business to be a competitor and to drive the, the market or drive anyone out of the market. We really got in here to, um, to create the marketplace so that Santa Monica would be fiber rich so that we'd be able to nurture the businesses that were here and attract new ones to come. We will lease our fiber and create master agreements with third-party providers and people who uh, resell our fiber optics and services. Um, and we work with any ISP uh, who is able to provide discounts to our local businesses that we will broker um, and then pass those on to uh, those businesses for, for additional savings. We find that Many companies see us as the competition. Uh, those are, tend to be the larger companies. Would you really say many of the companies see you as competitors? Because I would suspect that you would have a few big companies that see you as a competitor, but you're enabling many other companies to compete. We are here to reduce the cost of telecommunications services, typically uh, broadband services to community businesses, institutions, and stakeholder um, organizations. We are not here to pump up an industry. We are here to level the playing field.
And so that's one of the benefits to the community, this leveling of the, of the playing field, and particularly to businesses at this point. Um, but what are some of the ways that CityNet has impacted the rest of the community to provide some uh, benefits? Uh, it's been incredible. Um, we, we realized early on that once we had a broadband network with some real strength, um, that we'd be able to do some new age kinds of applications. And we set out to look at um, mobility and transportation. We put all of the city's traffic signals on the network, and now they're all synchronized and they're managed in a transit management center. Um, we also um, hold the, are in the process of finalizing holding the light green for traffic signal priority uh, for our rapid buses called the Big Blue Bus and the LA Metro uh, Rapids as well. And we have traffic signal cameras galore. We have about more than 50 of those. We have, uh, it supports our Wi-Fi, so we now have free internet access in um, 32 Wi-Fi hot zones in the city as well as uh, over a dozen major commercial thoroughfares. The entire streets within Santa Monica are now Wi-Fi enabled. We have uh, real-time parking signage that we collect in our structures, our lots, and even the wireless parking meters that we have on the street. And we push that out real-time to signs in front of the structures and lots, and also to uh, cell phone uh, applications uh, and for the public to be able to find parking as quickly as possible. And in 2014, that's not uncommon, but you were one of the pioneers of it, am I right? Yes, we were. Uh, we developed our own system for managing um, the availability of parking spaces. Uh, we've now turned that over in public-private partnerships to, to other companies to do that for us. Um, and we have also been pretty much uh, pioneering the transit priority system uh, for this whole region. We came up um, with the whole new, uh, the, the idea of using Wi-Fi uh, connected to fiber optics rather than using copper with loops in the ground to detect where our, our, our transit vehicles were. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Uh, is there anything else that you want to tell people in the last minute we have? Fiber optics and what fiber optics will uh, provide has been revolutionizing uh, the way that government provides services in this community. But beyond the services that government provides, it has enabled a new economy, a startup economy with incubators and accelerators, and has enabled even our hotel industry and especially um, our hospitals to be able to be in compliance with new regulations um, and also to be very competitive in a new economy. I really hope people take a look at the case study because there's a there's a lot of more details available to, to what you've done than we've been able to cover. But uh, thanks for coming on and uh, doing the interview with me. It was a pleasure, Chris. Thank you. Be sure to check out our report, Santa Monica CityNet, an incremental approach to building a fiber optic network. You can download it at ILSR.org or from UniNetworks.org. You can also go to smgov.net and do a search for CityNet, and you can review Santa Monica's information on the network and all the available services they provide. Please share your ideas for the Broadband Bits podcast. If there's a topic that interests you, or if you'd like to hear from a specific guest, feel free to email us. Write to podcast at muninetworks.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at communitynets. This show was released on March 18, 2014. 
Thank you to the group Valley Lodge for their song Sweet Elizabeth and licensed using Creative Commons. Have a great day and thanks for listening.